Right then. I'm going to laugh. You know, sometimes you start chatting about something you think you know about it, but you don't really know about it. I, I had a little conversation earlier. Apparently, the road is shut down the west of this, the west of the, the south of the city, the Mumbles Way, and there's a triathlon. Yeah, exactly. So a triathlon is like a 2.4-mile swim, a full triathlon, a 26.2-mile run, and a 112-mile bike ride, I believe it or not. But when I was talking to someone this morning, they said, I think there's a fun run going on down there. Swansea, a fun run. Come on, Jane, say that. Did you enjoy your fun run this morning, boys and girls? Marvellous, isn't it? When you think, you know, we're talking about something. Anyway, I think I know what I'm talking about this morning, hopefully. I'm going to see if I'm going to need my glasses or not. Is that distracting? No, hopefully not. Right, we're all good to go. Great. So, the first thing I want to talk about is, it is amazing that God made us, isn't it? Do you ever stand and think about yourself, or think about your surroundings, think, this is all part of God's plan. This is amazing. I can't, sometimes I can't even get my head around it, that we were intentionally made, created by God. And it is fantastic. And then I think about the individuals in the world and how we've all got different skills and talents and giftings. And if you're into sports, you see amazing sportsmen and women around. And I managed to somehow lead a real rock and roll lifestyle. Saturday afternoon, yesterday, when the weather was lovely, I was in the kitchen filling the dishwasher. I was cleaning up, doing the laundry, etc., etc. You know, it's an exciting life. But in the background, Radio One's big weekend was on in Coventry. And for those, it's gone very quiet, so probably nobody knows what I'm on about here. But it's to do with like music and stuff, and they have bands on and performers, etc., etc. And this guy, Edward Sheeran, I think that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Sheeran. I'm not that daft. He was playing, he's very good, he's very popular. And then another couple of people who have been interviewed and stuff like that. And it's amazing, you know, when people are on top of their game and they've got these special gifts and abilities to, to help the world around them enjoy a bit of life. And what I also like to consider is what are people really like at home? And what are people really, you know, it's all well and good, like performing and, you know, doing that kind of stuff, your job, etc., etc. But it's like, who are we as people? What is God doing in our lives? Because I believe we are like a God's blueprint that he created human beings for a relationship with him. God's love and compassion and creative ability has been breathed into humankind so that we can know him and love him and experience him in our lives all the days of our lives. And that is something that sometimes is like mind-blowing, but it is encouraging as well. And obviously, in life, we, we recognize that it's not always all good, is it? You know, there's a lot of difficulties that go on in the world and the brokenness of humankind. And there is this talk about, you know, how pride came into the world and, and has knocked people sideways. But there is this opposite attitude of being proud and having pride, and that is humility. And as people, that is a great thing that we can open our hearts up to in God. What he wants to do in our lives is to have a real humble attitude, to really allow God to shape us and form us in our lives. So I'm going to do a little talk this morning. It's a bit of like a one-off, okay? It's like a mid-series kind of thing. So bear with me as we go along today. So having a sober recognition of ourselves in relation to God is part of this humility process. Humility is like having the quality of having a modest and realistic view of one's own importance. So we got this balance in life that we are so important to God. We're so important to, to him that he created us and formed us and knows everything about us. 
So there's that side of it, how important we are in God. But then there's also this reality of, of having a realistic, balanced idea of our importance and having humility in our lives as well. So I just thought I'd throw that out there in the start of the talk today. Now, one of the biggest honors I have had in my life was when I was asked to be um, Sarah, which is Shan's sister, was going to get married. And of course, Shan and Sarah lost their dad a few years ago. And I was asked to give Sarah away and do like the father of the bride speech and stuff like that. So it was like a real honor. You know, initially I was like really like a little bit stressed, a little bit worried about, oh, can I do this? But of course, I really wanted to out of love uh, for the family and for Sarah and for you know, for, for everyone, it was important to, to do that and to be involved. So, you know, like when you're on like the top table in a wedding and the traditions that we have, there is like this importance and now you feel like, oh, I feel a little bit important today. And I, I quite, you know, it was, it was good to do that. But like underlying, you just feel like a normal person and like, oh, I'm, I'm stepping into something new I don't have experience in. So I was asked to give Sarah away and it, it was a great day and it was a special time. But the things that stood out to me were this. Sometimes in life, we're called to step into something and step up to something. We may not have asked for it. We may not have expected it to come along. But there's sometimes God knocks on the door of our hearts to say it's time to step in and it's time to step up. Now, Sean was telling me a story about a friend of hers who is just a, like a 20-year-old girl, okay? And some tragedy had happened in the family, and now she was the, like the, the person who was going to bring up her three younger siblings. And Sean was telling me how, you know, it was like a tragic scenario, but how this girl had realized the need now to look after her younger siblings, to help in providing for them and caring for them and breathing love and compassion into their lives. And sometimes situations occur where you just don't expect it or don't want it, but in the brokenness of life, these things do happen from time to time. And this girl stepped into the family situation and she stepped up to the responsibility of, of what was before her. And of course, it's done in a loving attitude, out of compassion for other people. And I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced having to step out of your comfort zone? It kind of happens pretty often. But I think those are the times where we really rely on God even more, don't we? Would you agree with that? That when we step in out of our comfort zones, it's like, oh, God, can you help me in this? Because I know I haven't got the skills, the abilities, I don't feel it, certainly. But just help me in this, Lord. Shape me, build my character in this situation as I step out in love, step out in faith, step out in being secure in you. And this is part of us growing in life. If we ever feel we're too young or too inexperienced or don't have like the knowledge, do you know what? We can trust in God in those times and we'd be surprised by what we can do and achieve and bless other people when we take that step of faith in God. So there's this practical serving, but in practical serving, it's often like a spiritual serving as well. So we're not just doing the practical things in life, we're making a difference in people's lives, in who they are, in their growth, in feeling security and love. So we can, as people, be the loving hand of God, the loving heart of God in our families, in our workplaces, in our situations, 
we can really trust God in that. So, yes, let's really know God in our lives and what he can do in and through us. So, looking at this and considering God's love and relationship with us, that is so significant in our lives. Now, if I was to say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd, so the Lord is my shepherd, what is the first thing that springs to mind? Have a little think a moment. For me, the Lord's my shepherd would be Psalm 23, would it not? Well, that's handy because I'm talking a little bit about Psalm 23 now. Not Psalm 93, as someone told me earlier in the week. Um, I think Psalm 93 is a good, the Lord's my shepherd. Um, I think you got your numbers wrong. I was looking at Psalm 93 thinking, that's not right. <laughs> Psalm 23, that's, I won't mention any names because it would be very embarrassing. But I'm sure it was just a lapse of concentration because the person was so busy. Anyway, so... This psalm speaks simply and directly into our souls. That's why it is such a popular psalm. The psalm talks about the sustaining and loving truths of God and his care for people. His love, his grace, which we draw on each day, the promise of help in life each day and for eternity. That's why it is so popular, because it speaks directly to our hearts. So let's read it this morning together. It'll come up on the screen there. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so we can understand why this psalm is so critical and so important for the human existence and experience of knowing God because it breathes love hope and compassion into our hearts. And of course, David, having a background who wrote this psalm, having a background of being a shepherd, he knows all about what shepherding is, all, you know, what it, what it entails, the love and compassion for the flock, the putting the life on the line for the flock, the taking care of them. And here David describes God as a shepherd, a loving, caring shepherd, not like a king, or a distant, far-off ruler, but a shepherd, one who cares for our hearts, for our souls, for us as people. A shepherd looks after the sheep and dedicates their lives for the sheep. The guide, the protector, the medic, the provider, an up-close and personal God. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, we, each of us today, can sit here and say, Lord, you are my shepherd. When Chloe opened this morning with Psalm 27 and we put our hands on our hearts and we invited God, you know, this is kind of a similar thing that God calls upon us, that he wants us to know that he is our shepherd, that he cares for us and loves us. And that is something that is unique in the world that we live in because the world can't give us those things, but the love of God can so if God is our shepherd and we relationally respond to God as sheep, that also means, I believe, that we're members of a flock. It's a bit of old school, 
you know, word in, members of a flock, but members of church family, of a community together. We belong. We are called by God to belong. So what am I saying to God at the moment? What are we saying to God at the moment? Well, Lord, I look to you for guidance in my life. I want to choose well and wisely. God, I really seek your protection in the difficult times and the worrying times. I seek your protection, Lord. Lord, give me today my daily bread, the provision that is required to survive. These are the things, you know, we can talk to God about. And of course, we belong. Community. There is a call in our lives to enjoy God's presence and to know Him. That is a calling upon our lives. It's a relational calling to know Him, to know Him intimately. There is a call to enjoy God's family, the church. Very quickly, look around you. If you're at home, just imagine this. Look around you. God's family from all walks, different backgrounds, this, that, and the other. And God has called us to be part of God's body, his family, the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. And there is a call to be present. There is a call to be with. There is inclusion. There is fellowship. We're a called people, not to be isolated and alone, but called to enjoy community. Now, all of us have experienced a season of time where that has been really difficult, hasn't it, with our COVID situation and the time over the couple of years where our world as we know it has been like changed and we, we haven't done this before. And Chloe shared a little bit about that earlier, which was very moving, Chloe. I, got a tea, I had a tear in my eye, but to be honest, I think it was hay fever because my eyes are streaming a bit. <clears throat> But there's this call to community, and during the COVID times, it's been a challenge to ensure that somehow we're reaching out one to another. So there's this mixture in life of our personal, private lives, where God is at work, but also the public life, where we enjoy community and fellowship with others. We receive in life, and we give as well. So there's this whole thing about receiving and giving. So... This idea of an ongoing lifestyle of being shepherded. So when we say the Lord is my shepherd, for life we are dedicating our lives to being shepherded by God, to committing to relationship with Him and to His people, the church, walk us earth. And it is a commitment and it is a great privilege and honor and love that the shepherd is looking out for us. And it's a generous thing as well. Now, going back a few years ago, when our kids were quite small, there's this thing about shepherding. When you're a parent, you kind of, you're shepherding your own little flock if you, you know, you have children. And there was this time, I've mentioned this story before, but we were in Swansea City Centre, and it was back in the day, and Primark was like right in the middle of the city centre. And the kids were like, Naomi and Pram, Isaac's like three, Sam's like five, something like that. And we were out, and Naomi's in the push chair, and I got the Naomi, and Shana's gone into Primark. And if I can describe Primark back in the day, because it's a lot more structured now, I believe, the shop basically rep resembles someone getting 10 tons of clothing, throwing it into a tornado, watching it whir around, the tornado going on the floor, just being covered in clothes. That's what Primark looked like back in the day, okay? 
So, <laughs> so I'm standing outside, you know, me and the push jagger, Isaac, holding my hand, and Sam has gone into Primark with Sean to do a little bit of clothes shopping. Well, Isaac manages to somehow give me the slip. Give me the slip. I, don't, I must have not been concentrating. He pulls his hand out of my hand, and he's gone in chasing after his mum, okay? So Sean's already gone. She doesn't know what's happening. I'm here with, with Naomi, and I just could not move quick enough to grab him. Sorry, I'm spitting everywhere, yeah? To grab him. So he's gone, and that's all I know. There's just a massive pile of clothes in there somewhere, and Sean's going to be behind one of them. She's not going to see Isaac. So his panic was, I grabbed Naomi, come in. There's a security guy there, thankfully. He said, look, my little boy's just running here. He's probably going to be on his own. He won't find his mum. He's wearing this red top. Can you help us find him, please? And yes, within you know, minutes, he was found, and it was such a relief, because we know as parents the love and compassion we have for our children. When they go off and do something like that, it's so worrying, and you have a worry for them. And there's this thing about people that we, we tend to have this natural ability to wander off. So when we talk about God being the shepherd, kind of like the nature of sheep is just to go wandering. See, oh, well, what's over here then? Bah! Um, <laughs> We leave the flock there, I'm just going to go off over here somewhere. But God knows us, he created us, and he knows the kind of thing that goes on in our minds, the thinking, the things we get upset by or offended by, or the things which make us walk, basically. But you know what? We have a loving shepherd, a loving shepherd who looks after the flock. And that is why I think, you know, David was such an important person in the Bible, that he was a shepherd himself. He understands the heart of God, and that's why generations later and the generations gone, we glean and take all these things that God has for us. We learn from David's life and we pull in all those good things and understand the heart and love of God, the, the shepherd who looks after us. So that is a big thing. The safety of the sheep is part of the shepherd's role, the safety of the sheep, okay? Because we're wanderers. But the more we listen to the shepherd, the Better it is for us. Okay, so moving on. What did Jesus say about himself in John 10, 11 to 14? So here are some great words. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf come in, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So we're really getting an understanding of the, the Father's heart of God and how Jesus shows us in real life what it is to belong and, and know him for ourselves and what his intentions and motives were was the love for people. And he's laid down his life. So, you know, no one else has done that. Jesus has done it. Therefore, he can be trusted as the good shepherd and why that is so important to be obedient to him in our lives because we get to know him more and he understands us. We're hearing his voice for our lives. So Jesus is a good shepherd, not a harsh and loving shepherd or a hired hand who hasn't paid the price. So, so good that he's laid down his life for us. So it is then an open opportunity for any of us to follow him. Jesus is concerned for the sheep. He sees the wolves and wants to protect. So like for us, that is similar again, because as a parent, if I go back to this thing, you want the best for your children. You don't want them getting into danger or into 
areas which would cause disruption in their lives or hurt or damage in their lives. And God has this attitude of heart, of loving us as children as well, that he doesn't want us wandering off and being caught out by the wolves of life. Sometimes the world out there, there can be trouble, but not to go chasing after those things, but being consistent and trusting the shepherd and belonging to him. God has the best intentions for our lives. Now, if you, have you ever seen the shepherd's crook, that little gadget, that little like wooden pole with a hook on it? If I can just check it up on the screen there. There's this great kind of, I don't know what you would call that. It's like a, a work aid, I suppose, for the shepherd, but a practical tool which you could use to beat a path through rough undergrowth to find the lost sheep. So you'd use that for doing that. And then could have been used for protecting against predators. So when predators and the wolves and the like would come after the sheep, you could use it as a bit of a, you know, a whack you with this. Now you come near the sheep. You probably wouldn't be speaking English to them, but yeah, you know, you get the message, you're holding a big stick, and you, you know, you know what's gonna be happening next. They could use it to manage the direction of the sheep, to bring balance, to help, to, to get them you know, going where you want them to go, into the pasture, into the meadows, to enjoy themselves. To catch hold of the wandering sheep, that little hooked bit on the end there, you know, they've got themselves into trouble, and it's time to, you know, come on, it's best to come this way now, you're gonna get into trouble there, injured maybe, damaged, so come this way. The shepherds love protection. So the shepherd's crook, we can imagine the practicalities of a real life person here, but what about spiritually? Is God using a spiritual crook in our lives at this time? Is there an area of our life where, where you know, we've got ourselves stuck in a bush or our head stuck in a fence somewhere or we've got ourselves trapped and we find it hard to get out? Well, do you know what? God is our shepherd, and he loves us. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he can encourage us out of there. Are we experiencing an opposition, something that is really making our lives difficult? Well, do you know what? We can call again on the name of Jesus to help us in those situations. So what are the things, if I was to ask us this morning, what are the things going on in our lives? If we were a sheep wandering away, what is God saying to us at the moment? Is God speaking into those areas of our lives? Are we growing in him? What does it mean to be part of the flock? What is God doing to shape us as a community? Some great thoughts, isn't it, to, to think about. So this idea of belonging relationally to God carries on throughout Psalm 23. And in verse five, I wanted just to go on to the next little bit. Now we're moving on from like the shepherding bit. And I just wanted to talk about this second bit for a few moments. And it's in verse five there, just read it to us. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So with this verse, the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep kind of transitions into the provision of God to man and the justice that God provides. To prepare a table suggests the outgoing and outpouring of God to draw us to eat with him to live life with him. Sometimes Psalm 23 is linked to like, you know, maybe a, like a funeral service or the end of days or this kind of stuff. But Psalm 23 really breathes life in our day-to-day -day lives. It really does. 
And here we read that God calls us and prepares a table before us to live life with him. So not so much as like a great event that might last a short term, but a call to ongoing friendship with God. And in the Old Testament world, if someone was to eat and drink at someone's table, there was kind of this bond of mutual loyalty. Part of the process maybe of an agreement or covenant. And we can read a little bit about this in the Old Testament. There's a dramatic account in Exodus 24 that involves Moses and some of the leaders of Israel. So let me just take a moment just to illustrate this thing about eating at the table. Exodus 24. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel, saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. What an amazing encounter, an important event. Casually seeing God and then eating and drinking as you do. A huge moment, understanding like the love and relationship of God and the, this bond of community the Israelites were enjoying together. And then, of course, we go on to considering Jesus' call to commune with him, to remember him, to fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 11, 25, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whatever you, whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So this whole thing of like feasting, banqueting, eating and drinking together is God's way of helping us enjoy friendship and in, have times together. And here is the, the significance of like covenant, this covenant relationship with God. So as a church community, understanding the importance of time together, fellowship together, eating with God in one another's presence, there's this special bond, I believe, that takes place. And it's something we're doing to honor God in all of that, in our relationships one to another. Okay, so just a few weeks ago, we had our men's curry night down in Rassoy in Pontleu. What a lovely curry they do there. Let me tell you, I've been there a couple of times and it's really good, thoroughly recommend it, etc. But I've heard this illustration before. It's more than just the curry. And this is talking about, as church fellowship, if you imagine, we all, we're all into all different things, aren't we? Our different ideas of what we like, what we don't like, curries, etc., etc. Some of us might like fish and chips. Some of us may like curries. But as a church community, what we try and do is... And uh, allow one another to be able to do things together. And sometimes it's not always about whether we like curry or not. It's more to do with the fact that we're in covenant relationship with one another. We're the body of Christ. And therefore, we want to enjoy one another's friendship and fellowship more than the curry. You can enjoy the curry as well, but it's enjoying one another's company. And that's what living out church relationally is all about is recognizing and honoring God in all of that. Now, this isn't a talk to promote church events. 
This is a talk about understanding the shepherding heart of God, the call of being sheep before him and belonging to the same flock. And whatever, you know, challenges or preferences come along, let's remember the first call of God is to know him, to love him with all our hearts and to love one another. Now, tonight, there's a men's football. I'm not saying, you know, just because of that, oh, I should go to football. Don't bother coming to football, especially if you can't run, especially like me. <laughs> You're getting old. I'm going to go, and I'm going to just plod around and enjoy myself with my friends. That's what I'm going to do tonight, because I do want to walk for the rest of the week. But let's just get the understanding that, you know, we want to live church life together as best as we can. It's not always about personal preference, but it is about honoring God in our relationships and in what and who he has called us to be. Okay, so just moving on to like my final little bit for this talk for this week. So not forgetting that the table is prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, which suggests like a, a victory celebration, and it's like a personal thing as well, but being on the right side, that we're with God, and we're with him at this table, okay, in friendship and in love. And God has prepared and done the work for us. And this really confirms and helps us understand that God prepares a table out of generosity and out of grace as well. He's done a great thing for us, and he looks out for our needs. Now, we glean something of great value as we eat and fellowship together. This whole idea of gleaning, okay? I love that word, glean. It's good, isn't it? I managed to say that. I'll speak this time. That's good. The Hebrew word for glean is lakat, okay? I don't know if I pronounced that good. I, I don't know. But anyway, it means to collect, to gather, to pick up, to glean, to collect, to gather, to pick up. And this gleaning, this gathering of grain and other harvested produce left behind by reapers is like, you read a little bit about this in the Old Testament. The Israelites actually were commanded to allow the poor to collect and glean from the harvest field. Let's read it together and I'll explain a little bit more about it. Leviticus 19, 9 to 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So in this way, the Lord of Moses provided food for the poor, the orphans, the widows, for those not native to the community. So God recognized and helped the Israelites understand the need to look out for others, to be aware, you know, if they are blessed with the fields and harvest, you know, take and harvest your field, but leave those other bits for those who are in need. It's a very important principle to have in life, not to take everything for ourselves. So therefore, provision for those who didn't own land or have a means to provide for themselves is like almost like an early form of like social care for the vulnerable and those in need. So there's some very important principles to be found in this gleaning in the Old Testament to recognize, to have eyes that, yes, we're looking after and managing our own lives as best as we can and the resources that we have, but to ensure that those who are in a less fortunate position or in a season of their life where there's struggles going on, that somehow we can do something about it with the resources that we have. And it's a very important principle to have. So that is one great example. There's another example. 
and it gleaning is an important part of Ruth's story in the Old Testament book of Ruth, which is four chapters long. And if you get a chance to read it all, please do that because it is a fantastic um, story and truths behind it. So Ruth is a Moabite uh, woman. She's married one of Naomi's sons. Naomi's had two sons. And there's this twist and turn where sadly Naomi's husband's passed away and her sons have passed away as well. And Naomi's been out in Moab because there'd been like a farming years before in her native land and in Bethlehem where she's from. And instead of staying in Moab when this family scenario had occurred, she kind of asks her daughter-in-law, look, you stay here with your people now. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, you know, make new lives yourself with new husbands and all that. So one does, but we hear that Ruth stays loyal and faithful to Naomi. And she makes a decision for herself. Ruth replies these words to her, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. So Ruth is a Moabite woman and Naomi is an Israelite from Bethlehem there. So Ruth ends up gleaning behind the harvesters of the fields belonging to Boaz. Now, Boaz was Naomi's husband's relative, okay? So when you start reading through a lot of the Old Testament, you get to hear about all this stuff, okay, the importance of like land and inheritance and belonging to family and this kind of thing. So Ruth has really been faithful to, to stick with Naomi. And we hear that Ruth is gleaning behind the harvesters of the fields. So this principle of leaving, you know, the edges of the harvest for those who are struggling or the foreigner, well, you know, Ruth is stepping into this provision of God now. And what has happened is Ruth has this character, this love of Naomi, this wanting to be faithful to her, this loyalty, although she, she isn't even like an Israelite, but she is following something of God in it. And Boaz has got to hear about Ruth's faithfulness and character and the loyalty that she's shown. And as you read the story, Boaz provides safety and provision and refuge to Ruth. And even tells his men, his harvesters and those working in the fields to even pull out stalks of, you know, the good main harvest and leave them there for Ruth to pick up. Boaz had kind of seen Ruth working in the fields. Okay, so well done, Boaz. Keeping eyes on things in his, in his harvest field there. And what happens is Boaz and Ruth end up marrying. And they have a son together, Obed, who is the dad of Jesse, who is the dad of King David, the writer of Psalm 23. So it's a wonderful story of honor, of loyalty, of stepping into God's provision he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He calls on our loyalty, our faithfulness to him. Even in, you know, the difficulties and the times that we mess and slip up, there is the provision and love and kindness of God. And Ruth depicts all of this for us, this great story of faithfulness and loyalty, love and the grace of God. And most important, I think, is the outworking of God's plan is that for each of us, God is outworking a plan in our lives and we can respond to that as, yes, Lord, we are your sheep. We belong to you. You are the good shepherd. And I trust my life into your hands, into your care, 
into your provision, into your safety, into your protection. My future, I give to you, Lord. I trust you for it. The things I'm worried about and fearful about, I give them to you, Lord. I pray your plan is outworked in my life. No matter what twists and turns come along, I'm trusting in you, Lord. So let's remember in closing that God lays a table before us, a call to relationship. He has a kind provision and care plan for our lives. We can glean the goodness of God in our lives and we too can be those who provide care for those who are less fortunate than ourselves. So hopefully this morning during this talk, we found something of God's love and shepherding heart for us. You know, what are our responses to him, the good shepherd of our lives? And we can take that with us today and this week and just have a little think as we go along as to what God is calling us into in these days. So let's close our eyes and I'll pray. Yes, Lord, we thank you today that we're a people who can come to you, Lord, with all the things on our mind, the concerns or the anxieties, Lord, even for the plans of our future where things sometimes can look a little bit gray and a little bit, you know, we don't quite work it out or see it for ourselves. But Lord, we come to you with a trusting and faithful heart this morning that we do make our hearts open and vulnerable to you today. Help us to be those people who love and forgive and forget, Lord. Help us be those people who provide for others that we can manage our own selves but also help in the lives of others as well. Pray that we would have a heart and a motivation to love, Lord. And most of all, the humility that's involved in it, Lord. Develop a humble character in our lives. We thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your peace, Holy Spirit, right now. We pray that you would deposit your love, your peace, and your comfort in our hearts. That we would be encouraged, Lord, to be open to you. To be encouraged to be part of your flock. To be encouraged to be those sheep who you individually care for and love and know. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, folks.